Hello and welcome to episode one of Father Nature. Today's topic, our first ever topic, is going to be lockdown lessons. The five lockdown lessons that we have learned from this past year because finally, finally, the restrictions are lifting and lockdown ending is in sight. So what should we keep doing? Why were those things good for us and how can we implement them going forward? But first, who are we and why are we doing this? Well, if you're asking yourself that, check out the five-minute introduction episode that we recorded and then come back to this first episode. But very briefly, to remind you, I'm Jasper Taylor, TV presenter and podcast host. I'm here with my best mate, Rob Rowe. Rob, say hello. Hello. How are you feeling? Yeah, all right. It's <laughs> nice to finally see you. Yeah, all strong right. start, strong start. <laughs> and we've enlisted, of course, the help of my nature-loving father, Johnny Taylor, to try and help us reconnect with the natural world, having both uh, very much grown up in a digital one. Say hello, Dad. Hi there, everybody. Great for you to tune in. Thank you very much. Yeah. Rob, nervous? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. It's, it's the way father's looking at me across the <laughs> table. <I think. laughs> to be fair, there's literally no pressure on you, though, because if people get to the end of this and they were like, well, Rob was a bit crap, wasn't he? Like... Well, yeah, like, well, yeah, it's your first thing ever. But if they get to the end of it and they're like, Jasper was a bit crap, wasn't he? Like, this is my day yeah, job. You've got, so yeah, you've got more to lose than I've I I've got do. a lot riding yeah. on this, yeah. No one cares about who I am or what I have to say anyway. Oh, I, so. I care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was saying um, if people get to the end of this, because uh, it's not going to be a struggle. It's going to be enjoyable, hopefully, because um, this podcast isn't, it's not a super serious look, is it, into the issues of mental health and climate change, but... What we're really hoping for is that by getting people to explore that deeper connection with nature, the result of that will be improved mental health and a bigger commitment to look after our planet, basically. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, we are trying to solve arguably the two biggest issues in today's society around uh, the dining table, the three of us. So without further ado, should we crack on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, lesson number one then. From lockdown, regular walks. Right, so I suppose what happened with in lockdown is that suddenly we were told we could only get an hour's exercise outdoors walking a day. Mm. So as is typical human nature, we thought, it's called a collectively, well, if we can only have an hour, we're going to down well use it and possibly we're going to try and sneak too. <laughs> and so I think there was an enormous number of people who don't regularly walk who suddenly thought, right, I'm getting out there. And certainly as, I mean, we're, we're dog owners, so uh, we're used to walking at least twice a day anyway. Uh, in addition to anything that we might do for countryside loving, natural history, uh, sort of research and that sort of thing. We're going to be out there walking anyway for our dogs. So for us, one of the biggest difference was actually seeing the number of new people out walking. And it was incredible because as well as sort of seeing them taking valuable exercise, of course, they started to drink in the surroundings and they started to say wow, there's so much bird song, and isn't everything green? And look at all these flowers. I don't think they ever grew here before. But, of course, the birds did sing and the flowers did sort of bloom, but they weren't there to see them. So there were suddenly huge bonuses to getting out. And, of course, the other thing that sort of would have happened is you get that slight increasing sort of community because everyone was starting to feel a bit fretful about... Um, distancing and this sort of thing and yet we were passing by people you know either struggling along getting a sweat up in lycra or just taking in the the fresh air and being really pleasant to each other and uh, so what is walking to you because that might sound like a weird question but i'm 
I'm, I'd say I, I'm a meanderer. What would you say, Rob? I mean, walking for me generally has been my mode of transport for the last, like, 10 years, so I've just never had a car. So I've always walked a bit, um, and I think because of that, my girlfriend and I always used to walk, um, well, we'd commonly walk around our local areas, but... Do you walk differently? Because I know, like, for my girlfriend, for Rachel, she... She's like a marcher, basically. She's a marcher. She, yeah, she she just goes when I I'm like a meanderer. Yeah, so I, I, it depends I'll, who I'm with. I ramble with mm, some friends. Mm, I meander mm, with others. Really? It's, um, but then you know when I'm on my own, I'm very much a marcher. It's strictly business, and it's not you know <laughs> a, a means. Uh, well, it's a means of transport. Yeah. So. Because yeah. for you, Dad, um, walking isn't really the same as walking is for other people who might be marchers. They might be using it to get from A to B. But yeah. for example, if that took them 15 minutes, like how long would that take you? Well, it, it depends. I mean, there, there is a, a big difference. I mean, I would say the A to B stuff, the only time I really do that uh, would be if I'm hiking, expedition style. So often running Duke of Edinburgh's Award uh, Explorer Scout activities, or if I'm just actually literally checking out a route that I want to do uh, for one of my Johnny Taylor walks. Uh, but generally, as you're saying, I, I'm more of a rambler. And I had a good example of this. One of the walks I did a couple of years ago in Greyshot was um, a gift from a wife to her husband of me accompanying them on their regular dog walk, which took an hour. And after we had done our sort of nature walk on his dog walk, he said to me, I've got a big problem here because this takes me an hour in the morning and I can't see me getting around it in less than three hours again because there's so much to see and absorb. Mm. And, and, but it didn't seem that long because when he was out in nature and he was sort of, you know, we were picking out birdsong, we are looking at different trees and flowers and such like, it's co- totally absorbing. And so you sort of, the, your sense of time starts to disappear. But yes, I would say... I take probably three times as long to do a ramble as a walk. Because Uh, you're listening and you're looking at everything around you, you're actually taking it in, whereas you're not just in your own world kind of Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said for being in your own world. Um, When you're walking in a pleasant environment, and especially if you've got a, a big view... Uh, it's very, very settling for the mind. It can be great for contemplating whatever's on your mind, good, bad and indifferent. And uh, very often, you know, it, it's a great therapy to literally find somewhere with a view, sit down and just chill. Um, and you can do that walking as well. Uh, but for me, I tend to think to to get the best out, to, to try and seek a connection with nature you need to get to know nature now when you're just rambling along the nature that you see or hear tends to be making its way kind of away from you uh you're you're a bit of a threat you're an alien part of their environment whereas if you actually stop and look and it might involve sort of you know just listening more just looking more maybe tasting smelling all the rest of it uh then these things take time and uh you know it's the same whether you're in a london park or whether you're in sort of you know wild country uh they all have their set of wildlife and that wildlife is going on literally 24 7 and uh but to appreciate it from our point of view it just takes a bit more time but it's it's great time you know as soon as you sort of learn to pick up on a few different features that will live with you for every walk you take thereafter and you you gradually probably not the best term you but you become more efficient how do we develop a really enjoyable connection with nature which in turn can help us develop a sort of connection with self which we find through nature uh, and they're two slightly different things uh, but I think that the whole lockdown scenario has brought them to the fore of an awful lot of people who, you know, have found it so soothing and, you know, got their stress levels down for reasons that are almost unconscious. It's just being out there, you know, there's not necessarily 
a rhyme or reason that they can fathom, but it works. And I think people started to, because it was the only thing they could do for a certain period of time, they started to use it as a way, Rob, to check in with with their pals or with their family because like whereas we might say oh should we go for a drink down the pub or something or should we go for a meal or come around for dinner like the only option this time was to go out for a walk so people were doing it more yeah it's true and it's um excuse me it's um i've met people walking through lockdown as well which actually i found to be quite a nice way to meet people because it almost it's quite disarming it's it's not as intense as meeting up for dinner or going for a drink you're not facing someone and i know you know i've spoken to some people and they've said even the eye contact in those kind of scenarios can be quite intimidating whereas if you're going out on a walk it's almost you're both i don't know it's disarming in a way and it's less intense and it's it's not all about you and them and it's about the walk you're doing and um yeah, and it's right. It's, it's a nice way to catch up, and it's like, and it's nice to see people in different environments. Like you say, it's 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 nice to have a different option, and you almost see a different side of someone when you do do something different. You have different conversations, and you, and you do see a different side of them. So, it's um, no, I've enjoyed it. Like I've, it's been one of the main things we've been doing. We moved in lockdown, so um, you know we did. We were in London, and we used to have a common walk like around our local common, but that got quite boring quite quickly so you you know you go to you find new areas and you know that's been the main thing we've been doing since we've moved and you know we moved a few months ago and I'd say probably most of our time has been going out on walks and at different times of day like we've been doing it before work which is something we've never entertained before previously but it's again it's seeing different um you know the walks are different different times of day you do them and that's definitely something we've appreciated and um we'll hopefully look to continue over the next few months yeah because you do this interesting thing dad when you sometimes meet up with let's say a friend comes to you and they've got a particular issue that they want some guidance on whatever and you'll do a walk whether that be from point a to b and then back to a but the point is if you know what i'm implying here is what you do on the way there and then what you ask them to do on the way back yeah you know i mean yeah yeah i mean i, I sort of developed a sort of way of doing what what you might loosely term a therapy walk so the the emphasis isn't particularly on looking at nature but I I think you're right Rob when you sort of say you know you're in a situation where eye-to-eye contact doesn't always help and you can walk side by side with someone in a very neutral uh, sort of environment where there's lots of little distractions that make it more comfortable and you can talk and a, a classic sort of way of just having a conversation about something which might be a stressful situation and an anxiety producing situation or maybe a grieving type situation is that you can you can have what might be a circular walk and for the first sort of half of that walk you sort of invite as much contribution about what the trouble is. You know, let's just unload on this and really say what's making you feel fed up or cross or anxious, whatever it might be. And you can take... It takes a sort of like... There's no um, problem with time. It's not like there's a, a... You're sitting on a couch and there's a ticking clock next to you and you've got to unload all this and make sure you get it said... You can ramble along and pontificate and contemplate and uh, and just and listen and take on board, and then you can sort of get to what I like to think of a nice viewpoint, something like that, where you can just say, well, it's, you know, you can catch up and talk about how interesting and complex situations might be, but then you say, well, we're gonna we've got exactly the same amount of time now because we're gonna walk back, so. In walking back, let's really focus on some ways through this, around this, over this, what, however you might like to put it. Think of some strategies of just ways of dealing with it. And of course, just the whole business of opening up about things and being able to, to discuss it uh, often leads to sort of conclusions sort of coming in quite quickly about, actually, I'll try so-and-so or... You know, I might try and stop worrying about so-and-so because it's not getting me anywhere, but I'll focus on something different instead. So that's worked really well. But, you know, I tend to think sort of the countryside as a, as a medium for 
let's just call it anxiety about whatever it is if you take this approach of you're going to take your time walk through the countryside and actually use that time to just mull over things ruminate over things you tend not to get crosser about situations when you're when you're lying in bed and you're running over things in your mind you can work yourself up in a frenzy you can't sleep and you end up getting crosser and crosser and tired in the countryside almost the reverse happens you can start mulling over things you contemplate things you think in a slightly different plane you're you're more relaxed because of the whole uh, environment that you're in and conclusions can start coming through to you and I I think people can go out of them feeling a bit more energized about sort of you know taking a new route or you know summoning up a bit more extra courage to deal with something that's difficult so for for me it's a it's a no-brainer and I know even uh, some GPs are starting to really recommend it they can't prescribe it because it's nothing to prescribe but gps have really come round to this business of actually we've got probably what you could call a, a, an epidemic of mental health issues and this this started way before lockdown but there's a there's a lot of it coming to the fore since lockdown as well um and it doesn't all need drug therapy it doesn't all need professional counseling or or um or sort of mental therapy from that or professional therapy it can be that you just need to find ways of uh de-stressing regularly you know not just on a sort of weekend so you you can't expect this to work if you're completely stressed from monday morning through to friday afternoon uh we've we've got to put ourselves first and put our mental health first and ensure that each and every day actually not only that we wind down from what's stressing us but we look carefully and think why is it stressing us because if it's if it's going to be like that it's actually you can question whether it's uh worth persevering with it you know mm-hmm. it might be career it might be relationship it could be an awful lot of things okay so lockdown lesson one for you guys regular walks keep it up yeah, and it doesn't matter whether it's countryside, town, whatever. Um, I I think try and make your walks. My my only tip would be, I mean, just walk for exercise is fine. Just walk for, to mull over things and wind down is great. If you can just open it up a little bit, it doesn't matter whether you're in the centre of London. You'll still have bird life around you. You'll still have wonderful gardens to look at. Just appreciate it. Kind of let it let it enhance your experience Ooh, yeah be present with it okay yeah. lockdown lesson number two then time in the garden this essentially what we're talking about then dad is just spending any sort of time in your own private outdoor area if you have one and we'll get on to if you don't have one yeah but if you are fortunate enough to have one it is about tending to your garden yeah i i think why is it good for us well for me I think it's good for us uh, for very primal reasons. We've been almost sort of since sort of Bronze Age times, which is very, very many hundred generations. We have become sedentary as opposed to migrant sort of peoples and we've learned to garden, to farm, to keep livestock, etc. And I think the process of growing and uh, tending whether it's just plants or whether you've got hens or whatever is gives a quite a primal sort of kick um at its simplest it's just maintaining a nice little pocket handkerchief garden you might have a little bit of lawn or you might just have some shrubs you might have some creepers i think if you've got any sort of garden again my my tip there would be if you're going to grow anything try and grow something which will encourage wildlife because again what you're doing is you're you're sort of enriching the experience if you just grew a few sort of nectar laden plants or nectar laden sort of bushes that will attract insect life and if you attract the insect life you've got 
one, just the interest of that. But you've also got the bird life that will follow in. And you're suddenly you're looking at sort of food webs and things that, you know, you think, oh, I thought I'd left that behind with my GCSE biology sort of thing. But they're fascinating things and they they give you something to look at. And sometimes it's very easy to sort of get stuck in this. Well, all we're doing is completely knackering the, the planet. And, you know, there are some massive issues to address. But what I love to see is where young people start on a very elementary level of looking at things in a garden and becoming interested in it. That actually gives them the flair and enthusiasm to think, actually, I want my world to be a better place, just like in my garden. Mm. So they're very encouraging, I think, just to garden. But also, I think they they have a sort of therapy in themselves um, in that if you're tending the garden, you can sort of go into autopilot a bit. You know, you're just turning over the soil and doing a bit of weeding and such like. And you become just very, very relaxed. I would say probably if somebody took your heartbeat there, you would be very chilled They'd rush out. you to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Low blood pressure there. Uh, it's So for, for me, yeah, it's... I mean, th- there are a lot of therapy gardens that exist and they work wonderfully for people who are recovering from sort of mental health issues they work wonderfully for people who might have some educational difficulties and you know the 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 proof's in the pudding there these you get people who might have very serious attention deficit they can't focus on anything at all but get them actually digging a plot and doing some planting or maybe picking some crops and they're in their element and it sort of makes sense to them. It's it it feels right, and it, it's relaxing. You, Rob, have now got a garden. I do. Which is a big deal. So you moved from London during lockdown, and what you had before was a prison yard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we had some mean barbecues there, though. Didn't we, we did. Yeah, but, uh, in the shade. Yeah, but, yeah, it was very much shade for twenty four <laughs> hours a day. But. Um, but now you've got a fully fledged garden. How has it changed? Asking how it's changed you is too big a question. But how has it changed your life having a garden? It's just it's just like what John said. Like it is just therapeutic. Like mm. like recently, um, I'd had a busy couple of weeks, like socially and with work, and like we went to a garden center like a couple of weeks before and we'd had um, some pots to plant basically. And we'd had plants that I needed to pot into them. And I just knew like I got to the end of a busy week and I just like cleared the diary for the weekend. And I just knew spending a day in the garden, I would like, it would almost like press the reset button yeah. and it, and it did. And it was like, I went out on a Saturday morning you know, I was hardly like Titchmarsh out there. I was literally just <laughs> potting a couple of plants, but it was like I was willing to go out there in the rain. And, you know, I was out there and I thought it'd only take half hour or so, but like before you know it, the morning's gone. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. you haven't done a great deal, but it is just nice. And it's, mm. it is rewarding as well. Like it's um, just to look out onto a nice garden is, mm. is nice. Yeah. But I think a lot of people listening will be in the scenario that you were in and didn't have a garden or didn't have anywhere with any grass or soil so what advice do you have for them then dad what can they do well it obviously depends on where they are and what's available to them um i i think sort of visiting other gardens is a wonderful thing to do with permission yeah um, <laughs> I, well i was thinking that actually parks gardens national trust places that sort of thing um we there's very often we we had an open gardens uh visit this weekend in our village and we went to this garden that i mean we've lived in the village for sort of 30 years and we'd never visited this place and we had the most stunning garden to visit and not only was it relaxing and not only was it social but it was actually really inspirational because when you do get a garden you can do so many other things you see in these fabulous great big gardens sort of in miniature very often uh there are some re- really quite good in cities community garden schemes which people can get involved in um and of course very often there are allotment schemes so you could get an allotment 
but uh, if you if if you knew you wouldn't have the time to do that, and it wouldn't be sensible to take them on if you haven't got the time, because then that that would become a frustration. But if you've got windows and window sills, you've got the capability of growing things. I mean, as I look behind me now, we've got two splendid tomato plants that are just about ready to hit the greenhouse now. Um, and you were saying earlier, Rob, you've been filling your house up with house plants, and some of these house plants are wonderful. I mean, let's just take a sort of a simple an, an orchid. We've got a couple of orchids, and some of them are like flowering year on year now and you think to yourself what an incredible thing that is um i personally quite like cacti and succulents i find them fascinating and uh but also i think to myself well there's this there's no better value for money plant than a flowering geranium and that will give you color and flowers literally every day of the year if you look after it it's something to look after it's something to nurture and of course you know if depending on what aspect you've got it might be that you could get some uh chili plants and grow yourself some uh nice hot chilies or some uh chili peppers some sweet peppers um various things that can just grow almost experimentally and the sad thing is a lot a lot of people will do this when they've got children they'll plant carrot tops and watch them regrow and stuff like that and it's it's great for the kids but it's also great for the adults you know just because the kids growing up we we shouldn't sort of desert that um and then of course there's the other benefits of just having a nice lot of greenery in your rooms also acts to calm the mind Mm. um it can even, when you've got things like spider plants, change the constitution of the air a bit. They're, they're good for absorbing carbon dioxide. And um, and so, you know, it's it, it's sort of adding value to the whole environment that you live in. Um, I always think a room is a little bit sort of sterile without a plant. Uh, it's a living thing. You've got the capability to... uh, It won't survive without you. It's dependent on you to survive. You look after it. And if you just try different things, very often, for for whatever quirky reason, you'll find a certain type of plant that really appeals to you. And, you know, no rhyme or reason for it. You just think, I really love, say, cactus or geraniums it doesn't matter what it is um you'll find things that really appeal to you and you can sort of look into it a bit more um and and just enjoy so for me is that it's it's sort of about enhancing your environment okay there we go then lockdown lesson number two spend time in the garden if you have one if not try and find one or plant some uh, house plants or some stuff on your windowsill to grow and possibly eat. Right, two more lockdown lessons coming up after this. If you'd like to be part of the Father Nature tribe, follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Father Nature HQ. You can also email us directly. Our address is fathernaturehq at gmail.com. Right, lockdown lesson number three then is community connection something that you touched on dad in your first answer how does uh community can't say it <laughs> try again do you want to do this bit Rob? <laughs> i'll leave it to you go for it capable hairs. <laughs> how does community connection link to nature though well i'm always i'm always sort of like fascinated by what I might call primal things. I love looking back at what makes humans humans. And what certainly makes humans humans is that they succeed in communities. Um, Actually, physically, as an animal, uh, we're quite weak, quite vulnerable, and not very able to survive on our own compared to wild animals. Uh, as a community, as we found out, sort of good, bad and indifferent, we can conquer the world. It's incredible. Uh, and I think isolation is one of the 
uh, things that can devastate a community and devastate individuals. Loneliness is a, a massive issue uh, within the human population. Um, is that what we saw during lockdown with people having to isolate then and a lot of people on their own and we saw the uh, potential yeah. effects of not being in a pack basically in a tribe yeah that's right I, I think it's exactly it I mean if you were sort of young active um, and sort of you know you, you had a sufficient peace of mind and confidence to go out and take advantage of the sort of exercise options we've already said about how a community could lift and you know we'd all meet new people and make friends and uh life would be okay if you are in a situation where you might not have the physical or or mental sort of ability to do that also because of the implications of the pandemic and social isolation we would by definition stop having the visitors and I think an awful lot of people uh, suffered enormously from this. You know, if you're cared for as a as a person and suddenly that care is withdrawn, um, it's going to be a massive part of your sort of well-being torn apart. So, uh, so I think, yes, we are. I mean, it, I don't find it in the least bit sort of um, demeaning to say tribal um, and I don't mean that in a sort of like community versus community way. I mean that in a uh, one big tribe. Yeah, we are we're all, all human beings, and we all have needs. And I think we all have a need for uh, company, uh, for communication, and you know, for people who not only can look after you, but you can look after. It, it's part of the process that has made us so successful. So what was it like in London then, Rob? Because London has a sort of reputation where, perhaps unfairly, where you you might not know a lot of you, the people who you live close to, whereas if you're in a village, it's a bit more of a community feel. Yeah, no, I mean, the stereotype rang true, really. So we, we'd lived in London for two and a half years prior to COVID um, happening, and we knew our neighbours that lived above us, just because we basically shared a hallway and we'd bump into them and so we were quite friendly with them and we did we were on friendly terms with the people to the right of us um just to say hello to me we didn't really know their names but everyone else we had never really met like i couldn't tell you if i'd sat next to my neighbor you know on the tube really um there wasn't that community spirit at all but I think, like, to, to John's point, you do just crave connection because I think as the further and further we went into lockdown, the more and more neighbours you started to get friendly with. And it's like, you know, and we... I think most people on our road didn't really have a garden. And so you'd find that people would just be getting deck chairs out in the street. And then they'd, you'd, you'd see the same two guys doing that for a few days. And then a few days later... Uh, a couple of girls from you know three doors down would then go and join them and it's like it just grew and grew and grew like that and so by the end of it we left um we left london in november so we were probably locked down for what was that seven or eight months um what does it say about the fact that that was the first time you met them all and then you left immediately yeah. <laughs> i mean i didn't like them but it was yeah. nice to at least wait yeah. to them. <laughs> Um, but but no, it's true, and it's it, like it was so obvious that people do just—they obviously hadn't weren't getting the connections they had from their own family and friends, and so you do just lean on whoever's there, don't you? And it was it was nice, and even people that I wouldn't consider neighbours, right at the end of the road, really, you just everyone's sitting in their front gardens, and you just say hello to people and wave to people, which is probably quite normal out in the sticks. But in London, that's so not normal, and that it's, it's thought of as weird, isn't it? Yeah, it because is. I remember the first time when I went up to London having been in the sticks my whole life thinking like why is everyone like not saying hello to each other or like saying hello to people and then getting odd looks and be like, mm. okay, like, that's obviously not what you do but how have you found it now you've moved more in the sticks more out into the country do you have that sense of community now yeah definitely and I think you like buy into it more don't you like we've got an elderly neighbour and so we didn't really see her for the first few months because she was shielding and so we posted like letters through the door just to let her know that you know we're new and we've just you know who we are and where we've come from and if you need anything sort of let us know but it's we hadn't we didn't like I say she was shielding we didn't really see her until literally I met her a few weeks ago um you know crossing paths bringing the bins in and it's like 
you there is just a sense of looking out for each other and mm. i mean i might have shot myself in the foot because i've offered to cut her lawn now <laughs> but and i haven't cut i don't have a lawn of my own mate so, she's got um, two acres so um but like i don't know you, yeah. you, when you're part of a community you you do want to help more don't you and i think mm. we've got a lovely little shop at the end of our road which is a, is almost oh, like yeah. the hub of the community and that is you know i see them deliver food to that elderly neighbor and that's just nice because it's you just like to think that you know you've everyone knows and you has an elderly relative or friends that live on their own and you like to think that people are looking out for them don't mm. you and it's mm. you definitely get a sense of that where i am now and you did get a sense of that when um, when we were leaving london so it'd be interesting to see now if that would continue we're still all human beings mm. and actually you know i think to myself you know 99.9% of anyone you ever meet when you do meet them, get to know them. They're really nice, mm. and you find that you you know you're not necessarily going to be best buddies. Mm. Go but... on, give us give us your your saying. <laughs> Go on, you might as well give us your saying. Early. Okay, so well the old strain the, the the old saying is like you know, strangers are just friends waiting to happen, and it's I know it's cheesy and this that and the other, but I honestly hand on heart. Can't remember the last time I met or got chatting to or was introduced to someone who I thought, God, I don't like you much. Mm. I, I literally can't. And um, because most people, despite whatever differences they have, whatever upbringings they have, where they live, if you sat down with a beer across the, the table and just chatted, you'd get on fine. Mm. It's, it, it's a human thing. It's sort of like we do better for getting on than we do for, you know, not getting on. So, number three then, continue that community connection going forward post-lockdown. Lockdown lesson number four then is a general one and one that we've touched on a lot already, but it is just, particularly now people are getting back to work and potentially to commute, it's about getting outdoors so uh, why is getting outdoors or being outdoors so good for us it's it's probably easier to say why is staying indoors not good for us Mm. um the indoor environment is like massively disconnected to the entire energy atmosphere uh and sort of like um openness and freshness of outdoors uh I think the indoor world also humans always seek mental stimulation outside you can get your mental stimulation literally by walking talking uh you know looking at the environment looking at plants all the sort of things that we said the indoor environment your mental stimulation will tend to come and I know this is sort of like you know uh probably simplifying things a bit too much but either from watching TV or staring at a computer screen, playing, like, computer games and such like. And I think all of those things, obviously, in short measure, I think they're probably okay, but I think they can be quite damaging when they become quite obsessive. Uh, I know a lot of the young people that I, I teach, they are gaming for eight, ten hours a day, and I think to myself, you know, the the sort of games they play, they produce such levels of excitement and uh, that their brains haven't got the time to kind of shut down. Mm. You know, they're certainly not in a state of relaxation. And so by the time these kids come into school, they're still utterly exhausted. Mm. Um, when I teach young people outdoors they're in in such a different state of play they really are they they they're just concentrating on what they need to do it's so therapeutic for them and i think they come out of that really relaxed i mean i'm not a gamer they they sort of i think when the kids very I think first people could probably tell that to be fair. <laughs> yeah yeah it's fair enough i mean i can remember whether it was a an old Sega or whatever you got and you thought sort of you know, go and have a go dad and the sort of like I wanted to punch the screen after losing the <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog for the second time or whatever it was <laughs> and I was thinking no this isn't for me but I think that people if people start to choose that fully over getting outside getting into a a different mindset mm. 
I, I think it's damaging for their brains, literally. I've met people that will play games and the game will tell you how much time you've spent on it or how much time you've played as a particular character. I've met people that have played as a particular character for literally years. So they have lived their life, yeah. you know, years of their lives yeah. in yeah. a screen and it's just it's scary, isn't it? So do you manage to get outside every day, Rob, would you say? Because sometimes, and I think a lot of people listening may feel the same, like when you're particularly maybe early on in your career um, or when you just feel like you've got a lot to do, you've got a lot on your to-do list, you're like, right, I'm, I'm just going to bed myself in and tickle. Sometimes I'll I'll have all these things to do in a day and I'll think, I haven't been outside once. Mm. So I'll literally walk out the door and take like five breaths and then be like, right, got to head back in and finish what I was doing or whatever. But do you manage to go outside every day, would you think? When I used to commute, obviously I would, but I wouldn't say that that's like meaningful outdoors yeah. time. That would just be walking to and from work. Mm. But we were, to be fair, me and a few colleagues, we were always really good at going on a walk on lunchtime. Like we would make a point of going, and we work in Camden, so there's not an abundance of like green space, but there mm. are a couple of um, commons, and we would make a point of going, unless it was like torrential weather. And that again would like give you the energy for the afternoon session at work. So mm. that's the thing, because it's actually like it's you're doing your to-do list or whatever and actually going being outside for a bit would make you more productive mm. in the afternoon so you might be scared that you that you're kind of taking time away from the jobs that you quote unquote need to get done but actually it benefits them and, and makes you more able to to do them better after your walk kind of thing definitely because it's like you get to lunch and you're slumped over the like computer and you feel lethargic and then you have a bit of lunch and get outside and you feel so much better for it um so no yeah so that we're quite good at that i mean it's scary like we you know at the beginning of lockdown like i knew i had to throw myself into something and so i ended up i started to run a bit more like not great distances or anything like that but tried to run more frequently than i had done before yeah and it's like you know if i'd picked up an injury like i could look back and be like I haven't left the house in two days and it's like scary and it's like that was a really good thing to make sure I got out because without something like that and especially now I wasn't commuting it's like that was guaranteed that I was going out and even if it wasn't you know the commute like I knew I would go on a walk at lunch mm. at work so without that you did have to I had to build it into my routine so I'd say it's it's more natural now but there and I'll make a point of doing it but definitely been on a journey to get there like there were times in you know last year in the lockdown one where like I say there I could look back and be like Christ I haven't left the house since Tuesday. <laughs> One wonderful thing about nature and the outdoors is there's so many elements to it it doesn't have to be wildlife and natural history it could just be as you were mentioning a bit of you know jogging in an open space it might be you know some people do their wild swimming and it it seems it's a bit like the sort of not the adrenaline junky thing but you know once you've done it for a certain amount of time it does become part of your routine and you don't question it and your body doesn't question it and you're into it if if you have a dog for example you know that dog needs at least two walks a day and it doesn't matter whether you feel crap or whether the weather's awful um you know you just do it and you don't question it and there it doesn't become an issue and once it's a habit, you feel you notice when you haven't done it, don't you? Oh, oh like without you, a doubt. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. So I, I think, you know, the art is in find what you enjoy and pursue something that enhances that enjoyment. You know, you, no, I can't turn around to anyone and say, I want you to, I need you to enjoy what I enjoy because everyone's individual mm -hmm. and they might think, well, actually, I think bird watching sucks and I don't want to do that. And so nothing I could say could change that, and I wouldn't want to. But there will be something that they really do like. Mm. You know, it might be just sort of, you know, running along the side of the canal and seeing all the boats and that sort of thing. Mm. It could be sort of just going around the local park and sort of, you know, going through the trees. It it doesn't matter. It might be just sort of like the camaraderie of so many people who jog in parks, mm -hmm. and like you can just jog along and be part of that crew you feel good you feel safe you're getting fit you're getting your fresh air and you know 
it doesn't matter whether you can't hear anything because you've got your ear pods in and you're listening to a wonderful podcast. Yeah, it, take us it with could you. Be. But yeah, um, no, that's that's definitely a good point. You know, stick this in your ears and go out instead yeah. of listening to it. You know, maybe inside or whatever. See if you can incorporate it into a walk or a run or anything. Just that that is maybe you know outside because that's our lockdown lesson number four to get outside and make sure we uh, get outside more going forward which is definitely always easier in the summer isn't it it is easier but i love being out at night um the, sounds a bit creepy <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird thing i've never been creeped out by night i might creep other people out i guess but um only last night i was out till 10 doing a little wildlife walk for a group and uh we we heard nightjar and woodcock which are sort of two of our more sort of nocturnal type uh creatures wonderful but i've always loved going out you know quite late at night uh in right into the thick of the countryside take a high high power torch with you which you put on very occasionally just to view wildlife um darkness shouldn't put you off you know it's winter time it can be difficult because you're getting to half four and you've got a well long night ahead of you and you know if you don't get home from work till half five six seven whatever it might be you've still got your dog or you've still got the ability to go for a walk you know it's um it's not different okay next up is your final lockdown lesson plus your first ever listener homework Our podcast is the perfect start as you seek a deeper connection with the natural world. But why not take it one step further? If you're liking what you're hearing from Father Nature, why not book a day with our resident nature expert, Johnny Taylor? Whether it's one-to-one, group sessions, or a corporate day to enhance your staff's well-being, we have all elements of nature connection covered. Guided walks, firelighting, foraging, bushcraft are just some examples of what we offer. We will tailor the day to suit your needs. Just email us at fathernaturehq at gmail.com or send us a message on our social media accounts at fathernaturehq to let us know you're interested and we'll get straight back in touch. Right, our final lockdown lesson, then number five, is less about us as individuals and more about the planet that we live on and the environmental benefits that we experience during lockdown. Rob, you've already said that uh, obviously working from home, you didn't have to commute, so public transport, etc., you weren't using as much. No, that's it. I haven't commuted really in about 15 or 16 months and it doesn't look like we'll be going back to commuting that much anytime Mm. soon so no and I'm enjoying it but and of course we didn't we couldn't go on holiday so that's another a big thing the environmental benefits that might be are you are you thinking that they're going to be able to be sustained post lockdown uh I think the benefits will slow down slightly because we're going to creep back into some of the uh, the sort of climatically or sort of more polluting ways. But I'm hoping that we don't go back quite so far. What I found really um, gratifying was certain sort of... At the, at the start of lockdown, things happen incredibly quickly, which scientists have already have always said would take years to put right for example the level of pollutants above new york city halved in a fortnight and to to me that was staggering because i thought you know when when you sometimes hear some of the doom and gloom it's like you know this is going to take us decades to sort of clear up and this sort of thing it actually showed you that where there's a will um things could happen quite quickly. Uh, I know that people who live in Venice said that the water became transparent again for the first time in living history because there's so little pollution in the water. And you think to yourself, that is in such a short amount of time. So I think it's given us grounds in a strange sort of way for levels of optimism i just think all the time we can slow things down as far as the things that are sort of have some sort of calamitous effect 
the more we slow them down, the more that buys us time to uh, introduce and develop newer, cleaner, sustainable, not only technologies, but things like food. I, th- I think you'll also find, like, I'm just from people I know, so many people in the last year have started growing their own fruit and veg, and I just think people will become you know where they can more self-sufficient like there's so you know a lot of my family and friends have you know had their their first veg patches in the last year and you know are now like looking at what they did last year thinking oh i could have done this earlier or i could have you know done yes. this and yeah. they're looking to improve it and yeah. how they can mm. get a better yield for themselves <laughs> well, so it's yeah, and it's and like it's, that's the, one of the first things we want to do like in our oh, new yeah. place and so. it's so satisfying lovely stuff but the um the environmental impact hopefully now that people have an, just an appreciation more so of the natural world mm. around them, perhaps. But, and an optimism that, you know... It can, it's reversible. Yeah, it's reversible. There was a lot of mention in the last couple of years of reaching a, the tipping point. This, this is what um, climate scientists refer to as if we get to a certain point in the, uh, in the planet's pollution levels we won't be able to sort of restore restore it. And it's been predicted, I've seen loads of predictions, some of them are as, la- as alarming as like 50 years' time will be at the, the, um, the tipping point, others are, are further ahead. But again, I, I still think it sort of, it slightly underplays our ability to correct things and i think what we saw through the the lockdown and as i say the 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 effects of pollution especially um has given a lot of people sort of cause to think yeah we could say this you know it's not beyond hope and because if it if ever you thought it was beyond hope there's no point in sort of like doing anything about it but if you realize that actually we're far from that point where it's beyond hope. We can and must do something about it, and it is achievable. But it, it does need to be a swing towards it. And this is why I'm hoping as we go come out of uh, the various sort of restrictions, we don't go fully back to our old ways. Um, let's learn from this last sort of like year, good, bad and indifferent. Let, let's learn from it and think actually... Now, I'm not going to get my gas guzzler. I'm actually going to go for a hybrid or I'm going to go for an electric car. Let's change my fuel supplier to somebody like Good Energy who uh, sells only uh, energy from sustainable uh, sources. Uh, let's just make some of those like quite big decisions that might not be 100% uh good for our purse but we know is going to be helping the environment in actually quite an easy way and a definite way if you're enjoying the father nature podcast we'd really appreciate it if you do three simple things for us leave us a nice review recommend us to a friend and hit the subscribe button all three things really help us to reach more people so that's review recommend subscribe thank you Right, so those are your five lockdown lessons to take forward then. Every episode, we are going to be getting a piece of homework from Father Nature as well. He's going to set it for Rob, but we want everyone listening to do it as well. We want you to tweet us, Instagram us with pictures to let us know how you got on with the homework. And uh, you can email us as well. It's fathernaturehq at gmail.com our twitter and instagram is at father nature hq so father nature what is the homework for this episode what okay. do you got this this homework should be wonderful for you it's nice and easy but it it requires just a little commitment but i i hope what what i want to happen over the course of our various podcasts is to Try and just help facilitate some connection to nature and then to hopefully help 
the realization of how that connection to nature is actually helping self. And what I'd like you to do is to just discover in your locality a place that feels really nice to you. It might be a view, it might be a bunch of trees, it might be a lake or a river, it might just be a park bench where you sit and you think this is, you like the energy, it feels good. And I want you to kind of adopt that as your place and have a look at it. Just try and memorise, look closely so you're memorising sort of roughly where trees might be, where the grassy banks are. Um, And just try and get a feeling of why you chose it. Does it make you feel relaxed? Does it excite you? Does it invigorate you? Is it an interesting place? Or is it somewhere where you can just really feel mellow? And then once you've found that, I want you to revisit it sort of as often as you can. Clearly, it doesn't need to be a daily thing. But go there with a view to using the senses as widely as you can. So on a second visit, you might go and you're just remembering what you saw before. But try and maybe think, what can you hear? in this place another time you might do all of those things but you might think well what's the air like here what's it feel like is it sort of dampish air or is it a nice sort of like dry warm sort of cozy place and so on and so on so you're building up not just a physical sort of right that's there that's there that's there but a feeling for the place and how it makes you feel and it's as simple as that By the end of it, you'll be able to look at any environment with a view of connecting to it as opposed to just observing. Okay. Rob, sound good? Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Right, stick with us for the last word coming up after this. So every episode, I'm going to be providing the last word, which is going to be a quote based around what we've been talking about so this is the first one it is a taoist proverb okay nature does not hurry yet everything gets done and i picked that because i think coming out of lockdown now people could very easily go back to their old rushed lives where they're in a hurry to do everything and and they don't learn the lessons that we've been talking about during this episode And perhaps they can learn from nature that you don't necessarily have to hurry things through and you can you can let them go sometimes at their own pace as well. What do you think, Rob? Do you like the quote? So wise. So wise. (laughs) I wish I'd thought of it myself. But um, you agree with that, Dad? I I agree totally. Nature Nature operates at its own pace, as you say, and it's it basically sort of it operates in cycles it, in the northern hemisphere we obviously have a very seasonal cycle for so many things um but it also operates on daily basis according to temperature and weather and such like and you can't it it doesn't rush and it doesn't sort of slow down it doesn't chill out it doesn't sort of nature sort of doesn't really play as we assume it does it goes through processes of growing and um it just takes its time and uh, for some things you know you've got things like a let's say a dragonfly that might spend four years underwater as an nymph and then it'll emerge and live for literally a couple of days and then you have a yew tree that might live for two thousand years it's time is of no consequence it's just sort of like doing what needs to be done when it's done it's very opportunistic obviously but uh no i think it's a it's a good saying and you know at the end of the day one of the biggest stresses that humans have is trying to get everything done on time right episode one done then 
Rob, well enjoy. Done. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's the poles yeah. of wisdom coming it's out of Father Nature <laughs> never <laughs> cease to amaze. Yes. Yeah, it's actually. I find it quite tough not being able to talk for longer. But it's. Uh, <laughs> it's. Um, we'll just unplug the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll edit it all out after. Anyway. Um, yeah, we've actually been talking for eight hours now, and um, you've only heard forty-five minutes to an hour. We haven't decided on our next topic, so you're just going to have to hit the subscribe button and see what it is uh, when it flashes up on your phone Um, but that is all for episode one so thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you soon bye thanks very much cheers